Aston Villa fans believing once again that they could soon be back amongst football's elites. Sheffield Wednesday going from right to left as we look. Both sides looking to build on midweek victories. Aston Villa look comfortable. Reach for me just doesn't his like so if you look at him compared to the the rest of the midfielders that we generally start, guys like Kieran Lee, Barry Bannon, even Ross Wallace, I think Dave Jones to a certain extent. Like he looks the part. He's big, he's athletic, but he just plays down. Here's Reach early on! Oh what a goal! Absolutely staggering from Adam Reach! His decision making's not good enough. He gets turned too easily in defense. One of the best goals you will surely see all season. He's very hot and cold. I thought he was terrible in the Barnsley game. Inside the first minute, Adam Reach has unleashed an unstoppable strike. I just, he never quite has quite clicked for me. I know he's scored two and two, so. Absolutely sensational from Adam Reach. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like he's a first name on the team sheet kind of guy. A peach of a goal from Adam Reach on the volley. I think you're on the own, your own on that one, Jeff. We're all uh, we're all Reach fans. It's episode five of the Owls Americast Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. Our five aside team is down a man this week as we are missing our Gary Taylor Fletcher-esque target man. Patty Jones is facing a one-podcast ban for consecutive day-drinking days. I feel like I'm just a WhatsApp correspondent at this point, but uh, at 6 p.m. on Saturday, I did get a WhatsApp message from Patty. It's like, oh, is it 6 p.m.? Because he was still in the bar after the Wednesday game against Villa. We soldier on with four, down a man. I'm your host, holding midfielder Jeffrey Paternostro. Since I lost the ability to play on the wing 10 years and many glasses of whiskey ago. Although tonight my drink is only aged in whiskey barrels, it's the Beer Apostrophe D Midnight Oil. It's a local brew for me, starting in Connecticut, down on the shore. Oatmeal stout aged in whiskey barrels with vanilla and espresso beans added. Uh, according to the back of the label, the result is a decadent melange of flavor that is sure to please. But with us again this week is our solid and reliable center back, Evan Skilter. Evan, what are you drinking? Well, first of all, I'm a bit too slow to play center back, but I suppose I can you take a You faster than Glenn Lubbins? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, tonight, my, my beer of choice is called Best Brown Ale. So it is literally titled Best Brown Ale. And it is from a brewery in Comstock, Michigan. Uh, it's uh, an American brown ale, Comstock, Michigan, Bell's Brewery. And the label reads, Bell's Best Brown Ale is a smooth, toasty, fall seasonal beer that offers hints of cocoa and caramel. With the help of American hops, the malt body has the depth to stand up to the cooler weather without being too heavy. A perfect pairing for the changing of the seasons. Now, my wife brought this home for me. It was a bit of a surprise. And she brought it home because the label has a very, very wise-looking owl prominently displayed. So I will tweet a picture of that out here in a little bit. But uh, my my beer of choice has an owl on it, and my wife thought, hey, Evan would love this. 
And she's right. Our tireless box-to-box midfielder, James Allen, who did 26.2 miles just this past weekend. Take that, Opta Joe. James, what are you drinking? Colleague Jeff, um, I, I <laughs> talk about being set up to fail. Um, I'm, I'm drinking a, uh, a stout called the Dutch. That's it. That's as far as I can go. I I, I faced a a conundrum this evening. I came to the fridge to uh, to take out something exciting and laced with vanilla and raspberry or or something of of equivalent stature and um, found it empty. So I had to make a a last-minute sprint to my uh, my local brewery, which is literally a block away, uh, the Rockaway Brewery in Queens, and and take the very best stout I could get to take away in my growler. But it it wasn't much of a sprint. It was more of a stumble. So uh, there's not going to be much box-to-box midfielding going on this evening. Well, it's not the best brown ale is it It, it's the best uh liquid i could find that was mildly alcoholic and uh, and also worthy of uh, of supping with you guys and of course the only one of us who is actually over six foot so our goalkeeper paul owen paul what are you drinking Good evening, guys. I'm um, I'm actually still on my Stillwater Brewery tip, although I am not on a yacht anymore. I'm drinking a sour called Insetto, which is around the five percent mark. But I have to say that's not the interesting point because accompanying my beer choice of the evening, I have a pork pie and a Scotch egg. That's just a uh, food envy. I should say that we're recording this fairly late at night. That's an impressive midnight snack. Oh, 24-7. A pork pie and a scotch egg. I've been saving this. I bought them at the weekend from the English shop in Manhattan, and I've, I've cut it on a board right next to me right now. I've been so looking forward to this, not for the podcast, just for the pork pie and scotch egg. You might have noticed we're a little loose this week on the Owls Americast, and that might be partially because Patty's not here, and also partially because Wednesday put in one of their better performances of the season this past weekend against Aston Villa. And we'll start with that uh, review. And I have, a, I have a mea culpa here. You might have gathered what it is from the pre-roll to the show. But uh, yeah, Adam Reach looked pretty good. I have to say that. It's uh, As our colleague and friend from across the pond would say, that was a thunder chuffer. But James, so here we are, heading into the international break. Two seasons of shaky starts, Carlos in, Carlos out. Have we finally started to maybe figure it out? Do you know, Jeff, I, I have to say that everything that's been said up to this point is, is almost rendered moot by that performance because that, that game on Saturday was the, the game that we've been waiting for all season. It was it was what it was essentially the perfect blend performance of everything we've known under Carlos highs lows and, and otherwise but but most importantly it was in, in the first half some of the football was was as good as I've seen Wednesday play uh, in in the Carlos era it was you know it was hallmark stuff of of season one some of the the kind of the free movement and and passing and and just the way we cut through Villa we made Villa look like a not just an ordinary side it, it looked like they were chasing shadows. Um, and, and that was just stupendous. But then the performance in the second half, when we had to withstand the, in, the inevitable onslaught, particularly in the first 15, 20 minutes after half time, when they really came at us, and the, the solidity that we, we displayed in defence and midfield was just, it was so rewarding to see. And, and you know, it was all the best hallmarks of, of our second season. So, you know, there were a few uh, a few clangers in there. Liam Palmer's finishing is still something that uh, that 
carries the uh, the inevitable disappointment at the end of a beautiful move. But uh, it, it was just a, an all round great performance. And I, I've got to say, you know, if you put all of the noise to one side, if you put all of the the disappointment about the start of the season to one side, that looked like a team that that will be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. And um, you know, we've got to take the positives out of that. I thought the um, I thought the midfield looked absolutely fantastic. I mean, you know. Barry Bannon was obviously supercharged to be playing back at Villa Park and, and certainly didn't take the op- didn't miss any opportunities to show them up. Um, I quite liked it. At one point, we could hear over iFollow, there was the the song of, uh, I think it was something like, You Had Bannon, uh, being taunted at the uh, the Villa fans, which was fantastic. But but Butterfield alongside him as well was was so effective. Um, and I took a, I took a load of slick, uh, stick on uh, on Twitter a few weeks ago when, when he came back into the side saying I thought he would provide a bit more physicality and, and presence in midfield. And, and that solidity alongside Bannon, allowing Bannon the range to play, was was just such a, an important anchor. And he he broke up play so magnificently in the second half, in particular. Uh, it, it was just a pleasure to watch. You know, I I really enjoyed watching us on Saturday, and uh, and you don't get to say that very often about Wednesday performance. So uh, so a, a great way to to go into the break. Arguably, we don't want a break right now, but it was um, it was a very positive note to end a, a pretty tricky uh, October November period. All I have to say is, Steve Bruce, can you hear me? Steve Bruce, your boys took a hell of a beating. Your boys took a hell of a beating. I think, it felt I good think to get be, one over on him, didn't it? It did. It you'd, really did. You'd be a welcome addition to any singing uh, singing section, Jeff. I truly believe that. You know, I'm going to have my sort of like hot take here for the American sports fan. As good as the Adam Reach goal was good. Look, we've seen it, we don't. We've seen Ross Wallace from 45 yards out. We've seen all myriad of thunder chuffers, to coin a phrase, in the Carlos era. I thought the second goal was better than the first goal. The interplay between Hooper and Bannon was just insanely good. Uh, yeah, and not just Hooper and Bannon, but but the way that Rhodes ran onto that Rhodes as well. Rhodes off I the mean, ball, yeah. The, the, the movement, I mean, that, that was... It was it, it was actually. I'll, I'll kind of go back to my previous statement and say that the, the performance as a whole was was the perfect blend of everything we've seen in the Carlos era today. Actually, that was something new, because what what you had there was was our our style, Carlos's philosophy executed at pace. All of the intricate passing work that built up to it, the disguised pass from Hooper was just sensational. But then you had the onrushing roads going into the box and the calmness with which he finished. We've been waiting ten months to see him running full tilt onto a ball in the box to tuck it into the bottom corner. I think that's pretty much the first time I've seen him have that opportunity. And he didn't disappoint. From the second that he he met the ball, you knew where that ball was going. And that, that's exactly what we paid the money that we did for him back in January for. So it just goes to show when we get it right, we we pose a real real threat. And, and you know, frankly, I think opposition are going to start realising they've got to, uh, you know, they've got to plan a little bit more fearfully for Wednesday in the future. And that, that should be a good thing. And it was uh, the English commentator cliche here, but it was just a beautiful pass into the bottom corner. Nothing complex, right? Just a, a simple finish, but clinical, clinical in its execution. And let's be honest, if that had been Liam Palmer, uh, we might be talking a different story. All right, you've had two shots at Liam Palmer now, but I know Evan wants to uh, throw in a praise for Liam Palmer here. I could, I could talk about Palmer all day, and uh, I haven't really. When expressed the fuck it. did Liam Palmer get this good? Right? Yeah, I haven't expressed it. Um, really publicly at all. I, I talked to Paul ab- about it a little bit privately, but um, he, you know, Paul once asked me who my favorite player was, and and I told him that I always have an affinity for guys that are hometown heroes, you know. 
And I know Palmer, he's from Sheffield. He's, he's been in the club forever. And Wildsmith, the same way. I like both of those guys. But it was great to see Palmer in the match. And he was inserted in 100% correctly by Carlos, right? We get up 2-0. And we bring in a right back by nature to play in the midfield. Across from Adam Reach on the left, who can also... Uh, who has also played defense and Palmer was great. I mean, he was fantastic. His energy was, was excellent. You know, he, he had a defensive mind about his game all match or the whole, you know, all, for the whole time he was in and, you know, he, he stopped a couple runs, but he also offensively, I thought he was fantastic creating some, he was comfortable on the ball. He held possession, made some great passes. Now, obviously his finishing uh, left a little bit to be beckoned for, but uh, overall, I was just incredibly impressed and, and pleased to see him in that right midfield role, uh, and, and it was great to see him play the way he did. Did did anybody spot the, uh, the, the that shot of him as a close up shot after he had that that failed attempt on goal, and he and he was sort of laying on his stomach, and he kind of literally looked up at Fletcher and almost apologised. I could have cried, you know. I really wanted that that shot to go in, you know. I'd fell for him because, you know, I, like you guys, I just thought he when he came on, he made a big difference. I think, you know, Wallace wasn't really making much of an impact, and as soon as he came on in that in that midfield, and don't forget, you know, he was a midfielder when he started out. Um, you know, uh, it's a game of confidence, and I think that he gained a lot that match. I just wish that had that goal had gone in. I know that, that Fletcher, I think it was Fletcher, wasn't it? I think he he wished that he was out of the way, but. I really wish it had gone in for him. He, he took it off Fletcher's toe, didn't he? And, and listen, I mean, I, I'm 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 being facetious in joking about his finishing. I, I have to agree with both of you. I thought I thought Palmer did excellently when he came on, and you know we haven't really talked about. I don't think I've been aware of any Wednesday nights proposing that maybe we might create a a right flank uh, double act in the form of Hunt and Palmer, um, Alla Reach and Fox, which is looking incredibly uh, uh, formative on the on the left. But but you know th- there really is something to that. I mean, if you've got the pace and the overlap of Hunt with with Palmer playing with a degree of defensive mindedness on right midfield, but also cutting inside, creating, and linking out the play. I mean, it's not to say it's the the long term solution, but it's certainly an option for us. And and I th- I thought he did really really well on Saturday. That that move though that he he unfortunately was on the end of and, and not Fletcher. I had a friend who um, and this this is this is a mark of the Wednesday that maybe you know fans see us. Uh, with with the sort of uh, fear and foreboding of, of many years of experience, don't don't get. I took a friend to the Birmingham match earlier in the season where we lost one nil, and and he thought we were excellent. He thought you know the, the underlying style and footballing capability in the squad was was superior to much of what he'd seen in the championship. So he took his his infant son along uh, to uh, to watch the game at Villa Park on uh, on Saturday, and he he you know he simply remarked that you know summer Wednesday's football not only was head and shoulders above Villa, but it was it was reminiscent of what he saw when Swansea went up to the Premiership. He's a, a City fan, first and foremost, Manchester City, and, and felt it was, you know, that move that, that Palmer was on the end of was as good as, as some of the football that City are producing this season, which is, you know, that's pretty good praise from from an independent neutral party. So it just goes to show that the, the, the talent and the capability in our squad, if we can get this right, if we can produce those performances week in, week out, we've still got a shot at something this season. And it's um, it's exciting to be able to say that having come off the back of a week where we've come for seven points out of nine and, and probably given ourselves the right level of confidence going into the break. I think he's a bit of a forgotten man too, still speaking of uh, Liam Palmer. He is 26 now. You'd think that for the position he plays, he's sort of coming into his prime, playing his best football. And you know he gets 
slagged off as a you know an, an extra player, uh, not what we need to get promoted into the Premiership. But I just feel like as a you know what kind of club do we want to be. Let's assume promotion comes at some point in the near future. What kind of club do we want to be? This is a guy that grew up a, a Wednesdayite, came through the youth system. I feel like there has to be a a spot for someone like that. I know I feel a similar way about Samito, of course. Like there should be a role for someone that absolutely loves the club as much as we do. Like that has to exist. Otherwise, you just become otherwise it becomes overly mercenary, and that's just something that I don't enjoy. Like I like that the club has some sort of continuity now that we have been able to watch the same players year over year where we've had pretty much at this point the best success we've had in the last 15 20 years there's something in that and like like all of us i really wanted palmer to put that goal away it just it would have been a nice thing for a guy that's been in and out of the squad over the last three years at this point to sort of put his put a marker down and like there's there's something here now and he is he's he looks bigger, he looks stronger, he looks faster. You know, Ross Wallace at this point is still, I think, integral to the squad, but a guy that is in his 30s and might need the odd match off in terms of, like, squad rotation for midweek matches. I really... Is Palmer that guy on the right wing now? Well, I think I think Palmer, his best role is coming in when we have the lead. You know, he can come in early on in the second half if we have... A, two nil lead or one nil lead because he like james said he, he does have that defensive mindedness about him but he can also create some on the offensive end so we're not completely uh parking the bus when we bring palmer on but at the same time he's still a safety net he's still a guy that can um help us secure that right side in front of whoever's playing right back that night so uh, i think he definitely has a role within the squad if it's not a starting role i think it's a solid you know first or second man off the bench and realistically, you do need squad players. That's a, just a fact of the life when you're playing 46 games. Yeah, I mean, you I, know, injuries notwithstanding, I, I guess the only other option on right midfield as, as alternative or backup to uh, to Wallace is probably Marco Matthias. And, you know, quite a few people <laughs> where we were watching on Saturday were uh, were sort of, you know, asking, scratching their heads when uh, when Wallace was coming off, saying, you yeah, know, is Matthias coming on? Of course, he's nowhere near the bench. Um, but he certainly doesn't have the positional discipline uh, of Liam Palmer. He, he doesn't have that defensive uh, capability in his locker. We saw that against Fulham uh, last season uh, to pitiful extent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he absolutely has a role off the bench, you know, but either as backup right, right back or, or this new emergent kind of superhero role on the right side of midfield. But, um, but I, you know, I, I think he has a role to play. Whether he has a role to play if we were to get to promote to the Premiership, I think that's a different conversation. You know, I'm, I'm all for the, the hometown boy, hometown club, you know, the, the lineage that you're describing, Jeff. But I think you've got to be ruthless. And, and I, I'm not sure that Liam Palmer is about to make the conversion to a Premiership player. But, but let's, uh, let's get there first. I have had about half a beer, so that might be the reason why I'm suggesting that. No, but I think I think there's a good point in there, Jeff. I think that um, what, what what I've been seeing this this weekend is you know an increasing confidence, and I'm and I'm seeing people talk about that word confidence. You know, is is Reach a confident confidence player? You know, and we, we we saw the way he celebrated that goal. He's 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 clearly kind of feeling a bit better about himself now than he did a few weeks ago. You know, arguing with fans, it, I think that you know confidence is 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 kind of like a 
an end you know the means to that is the kind of stability and i was thinking about this with you know the carlos in carlos out kind of question that seems to be fading as we start to you know gain results but i think that's what we've got you know i think we've got a solid foundation we've got a stable club you know and i think that you know the, the question of you know whether whether palmer is a you know a local boy or a, or a squad player and i think you're right that there is there is an element of that if you've got the right mix and balance and stability and the foundation when things are going bad you can bounce back you know when if you don't have that stability and you don't gain confidence you start to suffer so i'm i'm Right now, I'm really pleased that we do have stability. We do have Carlos. People are starting to see that stability, and confidence is going to quickly, you know, kind of grow from there. Can we be clear? We also have black shorts, which is actually the reason why everything went as well as it did over the weekend. Oh, it, I mean, looks, oh, it looks so shit. terrible with the shirt. Like, and I'm a big proponent of black shorts with blue and white stripes, but. Your your sartorial um, priorities were slightly compromised by that dark blue and black combination, was it, Joe? Yeah, it just it didn't. I no, felt it don't work, does it? I was it not, doesn't work without the stripes. Yeah, it's like, you need the stripes. It's like Hull at Wembley, and we had to wear the white shorts. It didn't work either. It's just yeah. But can I just point out the last at least the last two times we played uh, last two, yeah, possibly two of the last three times we played Steve Bruce, we've worn white shorts and we lost. We wore orange shorts and we lost back in uh, in March or April time at Villa Park. Black shorts, we beat him. So look, they may not look perfect, but there's something about those black shorts that have got the hoodoo over Steve Bruce. So we need to remember that when we come up against Villa in the playoffs. That's uh, ambitious. And we'll continue to be ambitious here on the Owls America Ask. Take a short break. When we come back, we will uh, break with tradition of sorts, and we will discuss how I became a Wednesdayite with our Nova Scotia, by way of Toronto, by way of Lincoln, Owl. We have been very West Coast-centric later in this segment, so we'll move further east, way further east, even further east than I am as well as our New York Owls co-hosts. We head all the way out to Atlantic time in Nova Scotia with Demi Dimitriou. And our first actual Brit. So we're going to have to rebrand the segment. I mean, we'll ask the same questions, but it's going to be how I became a Nova Scotian. But we'll start with the same question we start with every week. Demi, how did you become a Wednesdayite? Um, well, <laughs> simple story. Well, no, it's never simple, is it? Um, I... When I was young, my dad used to let me stay up and watch Match of the Day when I was a kid. He was born and raised in Greece, and he was a, a huge Man United fan. Um, but he used to let me stay up and watch Match of the Day, and it literally grew from the fact that they played in blue and white stripes. Uh, they had a couple of England players at the time, Des Walker, Chrissy Waddle, uh, and my dad. Uh, I just started to follow them, and then when my dad took me to a football game for my birthday, he took me to see Wednesday Palace, and it just, it just grew from there, really. Um, and now... Wednesday till I die. So, what was the result of the first match you went to? I think it was three-one uh, to Wednesday. Oh, that's unusual. Like, like I, I feel like whenever I hear these stories from Wednesday, it's their first like match at Hillsborough or seeing Wednesday is always some like terrible draw or slogging defeat. I remember my mum. My mum took me and my brother, who was a Liverpool fan at the time. I've managed to convert him into a Wednesday fan now. But uh, she took us to see uh, Wednesday Liverpool. Um, we were winning 3-1. 
um, with like nine minutes to go. I'll never forget it. And then we ended up drawing three three, and a young a young kid called Michael Owen scored a couple of cracking goals at the end right in front of us. It's most upsetting, um, but yeah, we've all had our fair share of uh, dismal defeats. It doesn't really matter how high the uh, the start of your supporting is on Wednesday. You soon get brought crashing back down to earth, right, Dimmy? So, uh, so that's, uh, oh, yeah. that's that's pretty much standard for anybody. It doesn't matter whether you're a Wednesday fan from America or a Wednesday fan who's emigrated to. Um, yeah. So we we actually brought you on here to talk a bit about kind of Toronto Owls, but we um we we've learned as we've been talking that you're you're setting up our newest and most easterly branch over in Nova Scotia. So, how, how did your uh, your Wednesday supporting journey take you to uh, to Canada's uh, furthest flung outpost, Bar Newfoundland? Well, it it, it kind of started. I moved uh, four years ago. I moved to Toronto, and uh, Lee Bullen. I don't know if you know Lee Bullen's wife is an estate agent, uh, Spencer's agents, and I kind of just put a she put a thing up on Twitter about. Uh, a house that she had up for rent on uh, in in Sheffield. So I just replied and said, "Oh, you got anything in Toronto?" And it was Lee Bullen actually that put me in touch with a friend uh, who I now call a friend, uh, a guy called Dave, who was uh, a big Wednesday fan and kind of introduced me to Toronto. And we started hanging out, watching some games uh, when we could together. And then uh, and then it kind of just grew from there. So we uh, he he sadly moved, but had to move back to England um, for work. Uh, but then another guy I met on Twitter, a guy called uh, John Panks, came out, um, filled, filled that void kind of thing. And so we started watching a few games. And then last season for the playoffs, I tried to get a few people to go. And we got a pretty good crowd. Um, so it's really also, uh, we could use this actually as a call to arms to see if anyone can uh, pick up and run with the Toronto Owls baton. Because um, I think, you know, definitely need something in Toronto. A huge, huge, great city. Um, but... Moved with the girlfriend uh, to be nearer her parents who live in uh, in Nova Scotia. So we uh, moved uh, literally just before Christmas. And uh, currently the East Coast Owls or Nova Scotia Owls boast myself and uh, my friend Paul Pates. Who we get together and watch some of the games uh, when we can. But uh, yeah, loving it. It's, uh, there's, a lot of Wednesday, there's a lot of Wednesday fans around that you don't realise, you know, which is the thing that really struck me. Well, it's kind of the journey that we're on right now with uh, with Owls Americas, and I think it's probably quite a good juncture to point out that there's a plural at the end of America. Um, I think a lot of people sometimes think we're just the US Owls, but uh, but we do have a lot of friends over the border uh, in the uh, the van that that most Americans try to pretend isn't there. Um, so we'll uh, we'll we'll pick up on uh, on trying to sort of you know recatalyze the uh, the Toronto Owls uh, offline. But tell us a little bit more about what it's like watching in Nova Scotia, because. Um, yeah, what, what's the experience like on a standard match day when uh, when you're trying to follow Wednesday up there? Uh, well, it's uh, you know it's it's all on the iFollow, um, and if it's on TV, then I'll try and find a a stream on on the internet somewhhere. Um, but uh, it's this, it, it iFollow's made it a lot easier this season, um, and you know I can't sing its praises enough. Um, but it's a lot of it because a lot of the time I'm, I'm at work, so I work at an airport, so. Um, a lot of the time, I'm just following on Twitter, um, and uh, a lot of the uh, the other airlines know a lot about Wednesday because I, I made quite a lot of noise in the office. Sometimes I only had a few complaints from WestJet, but uh, <laughs> I come running in to see what's going on. Is everything all right? Is everything all right? Yeah, it's all right. Wednesday scored. I think we beat Newcastle two 0 last season. I think it was. Um, but it's uh, it's so either on iFollow or, or just on, just on Twitter and. and it's always fun to see who the first person to report the goal will be. Uh, 
but normally lose it and then uh, uh, and then try and get the highlights uh, later and then obviously watch the watch the highlights afterwards on iFollow. So. I wonder because Toronto obviously is a very cosmopolitan city, kind of the, a melting pot for Canada. So you'd expect there to be a lot of soccer culture there. Is there much of a soccer culture in Nova Scotia, even outside of you and your buddy watching Wednesday games? Um, there, is, there is a little bit, uh, not not huge. I mean, everyone um, over, uh, everyone I know, a, a lot of people do have uh, your Man United, your Chelsea, your Arsenal's. Um, you know, and I give them as much abuse as they can handle uh, being Canadian. But um, yeah, I mean, there is there is a soccer culture. It's not like it is in Toronto because obviously we have you know you have TFC, so they have they have an actual team there where you can go and go and see. Um, it's a shame Paddy's not here actually because uh, believe believe Toronto made it to the final at uh, the Red Bulls' cost. Um, but uh, the not not huge, um, but there are. There, there, you, there is definitely a, an underlying football vibe going on. Demi, don't let us stop you from slacking off Paddy's Red Bulls just because he's not here. Do you know what? I'm going to be honest. Um, being, being a diehard, uh, ardent Sheffield Wednesday fan, I had never worn red until I moved to Toronto um, when a friend offered me free tickets to see TFC if I would wear a TFC jersey. So I kind of had to... Had to accept. Uh, I can't call it a jersey. Sorry, what was that football shirt? Sorry, silly me. I'm going all North American. Uh, I had to wear a football, uh, a football top, uh, a TFC football shirt, uh, and he'd give me free tickets to see uh, for the playoffs last season. So I, I kind of have adopted Toronto as my second team, um, and I'm delighted to see them back where they belong in the uh, in the conference final. Do you have any thoughts on Do you have any thoughts on the fight in the tunnel or whatever it was? Uh, I, uh, no, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I, I haven't seen it. Um, I'm just hoping that the, uh, the the final is better than it was last season, and that TFC don't look. Because I, I watched the final last season in a bar in Halifax, and we just moved. Um, and I watched the final, and what a disaster that was! It was it, it's it's very similar to, to Wednesday. I mean, only TFC could lose to a team without actually having a shot on target. <laughs> it seems like a very Wednesday way to lose that. So there are definitely similarities between Wednesday and and, and Toronto, apart from, apart from the shirt color, which is very upsetting. I can relate. I won like a uh, I won a scarf at work in some sort of work related. I don't remember what it was. It was some sort of fair day fundraiser, like golf putting contest. And I'm not much of a golfer, though I I do have some mini golf skills, which I think probably helps me there. But the scarf was red and white striped. I'm like, what? Am, I I can't. What am I gonna do with this? I can't wear it. <laughs> so I ended up giving it away because I can't just. I couldn't even have it in my house. It's weird how that like stuff resonates with you because I mean the Toronto shirt obviously is just plain red. It's not like particularly reminiscent of that uh, kit that shall not be named, but. Yeah, it does. Just like I, I guess there is something to the, you know the men in blazers have this sort of theory that you're either you're either a red or a blue, just yeah. as a person, and I think that does kind of bleed uh, through at times. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I like I say, I would never wear red unless it's a Raptors shirt or a TFC shirt now. But uh, I, I don't know. There's nothing. Nothing good is red. I don't think red lights. You know. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so this to, is a- to be honest, this whole uh, this whole conversation is making me feeling entirely uncomfortable. Even just talking about the color red is is enough to give me the EBGBs. Um, I can't get in a red car and, and feel entirely comfortable. Let, let's switch it back to blue. So, uh, so Dimi, you, you've been you know able to follow the season you know just as well as we have with uh, with iFollow. What's what's your view on where we stand today? And, and obviously, we're coming off the back of a uh, a pretty good weekend uh, to set up the international break. We ask this question every week, and I feel like it changes wildly based on uh, recent results. Absolutely, I think. Do you know what? I think the Villa game was was for me very much a throwback to. Carlos season one, um, you know, 18 seconds, absolutely astounding goal. What a goal that was. Um, when we were, we seemed to be scoring those week in, week out at one point um, in Carlos's first season. I think the players just had a little bit more freedom uh, to, 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 to play maybe against Villarreal. I don't know, you know, the, the ins and outs, we're never going to see behind the scenes. But uh, I mean, well, Adam Reach is, just has those moments of brilliance, very much similar to. I mean, I remember, you know, I had a season ticket for the longest time, and I remember seeing watching Chris Brunt, and you kind of moan about him for eighty nine minutes, but then he'd just pull out one, one moment of magic, and you just like that's why he's on the pitch. And I think Adam Reach can sometimes, you know, I, I actually think he's better than than Chris Brunt, or could be, um, but. He's just one of those players that, you know, I really, really rate him. I think he's going to do really, really good things for us. Um, and I, it's been, I don't know, it's hard to, it's, it's so hard because we're beating teams at the top, and, but we're losing to teams at the bottom. So I don't know if it's a motivational thing. I don't know if it's, if it's the way they're lining up or the instructions that the players have got. Um, you know, maybe we're missing Fernando. I, yeah, it's, it's really, really hard uh, to put your finger on, but, uh, Life as a Wednesday fan is it's it's a roller coaster, right, and full of ups and downs. Um, so, and D- Dimmy, are you? Um, I think James was talking about glass half full, glass half empty last week. Are you are you Carlos in or Carlos out? I'm Carlos in. I think I, I'm going to be honest. I I I can't abide these fans that um, that change when you know if we win it's Carlos in, if we lose it's Carlos out. I'm Carlos in. We either we I give him minimum, give him till Christmas. If it's if it's if he's not doing it at Christmas, uh, or by Christmas, then make a change because a new manager that we get in, if there's someone available, he can affect change in the transfer window. If not, give Carlos till the end of the season. If he gets to the playoffs and we get promoted, no one's going to remember this right now. Everyone. Everyone's going to be like, oh, we, we a bit of a shaky start, but you know, at the end of the day, we got promoted. Bottom line is, we need to get promoted. We want to get promoted. Whether we do that through automatic, whether we do it through the playoffs, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, I, look, I, I'll be honest. I'd love to win the league, go up, no problems. But if it, if we have to go through the playoffs again, then that's the way it's got to be. And it's it's not, let's be honest, it's not an easy league to get out of. There are a lot of good teams, and there are a lot of good teams below us as well i think i was looking at birmingham uh in the bottom three uh, you look at the bottom three and you think wow what are you guys doing down there and then you look at the top of the table and you think you know again how are they second how are they second it's, i think i think that also makes it a lot worse for us right but let's be, let's be real we're level on points with leads at the moment um so it's a very competitive league and i think sometimes people forget that so yeah i'm definitely carlos in you give him at least till christmas if not till the end of the year and then and then make a change then if 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 we have to, um, but this league changes every week, you know. Um, so 
there's no let's just keep going you know yes there are there is definitely a, there's problems behind the scenes i'm sure there are there's got to be with some of the performances they've been putting out but you've got to give carlos a, a, uh time and i i honestly think he's a, he's a really really good manager and i think we will do well with him um but the fans need to start supporting the club and uh, and get behind the guys you know uh, and that's that's the key um for me that's my my two cents anyway. Demi, I have to say, it was a pleasure having you on, and I completely and utterly agree with your Adam Reach take. Thank you. It's now time for dispatches from American soccer. And we'll start with the Owls Americast Derby between Louisville and Red Bulls 2. And there was some controversy in the penalty shootout that saw Louisville advance to the USL final. And for that, we head to our Ohio Owl, Evan Skelter. Evan, was it in or was it out? Well, I'm I'm extremely excited that Patty is not here to argue with me about this because what well, what basically happened was they went to a penalty shootout to decide the winner and the last kick uh New York Red Bull 2 had to make it and our keeper saved it off his hand, it hit the bar, came down and rolled out and there it wasn't even close, but I think Patty on Saturday was so drunk that he just wanted to pick a fight with me. Can and confirm. So, yeah, so through Twitter, he, he decided to send me a message that said that penalty kick, or maybe through WhatsApp, I don't know, but he said that penalty kick was in, and I was confused because no one really made a uh, a stink about it, really. No one cared after it happened, so I went back and watched it, and it was clearly out. It was clearly out, so I'm pretty sure Patty was just uh, was just too drunk and, and probably upset that his team had lost, um, so... That's all it was. But is there, is well, there not a goal line technology in the USL playoffs? I have to doubt it. I have to doubt it. You still have to watch the matches on YouTube. So <laughs> I, I would doubt they have goal line technology. But at the end of the day, Louisville City advanced to host the USL final against the aforementioned Swope Park Rangers. There's been it's more. Not Swope I, feel like, Park, is it? I, I feel like there's been more Swope Park Rangers content on this podcast than anything else at this yeah. point. Yeah, it's it's Swope Park Rangers. They're out of Kansas City, or uh, I think it, Paul. Yeah, is that what you said? It's we we yeah. established at some point. Yeah, good. It's not out Swope Park though, is it? No, it's, it's not. So, it's in Louisville. It's in Louisville. Is it? I'm quite enjoying the fact that it's it's requiring our British correspondent to clarify where one of the teams in the final of a ma- American major soccer league uh, competition uh, is, is actually located in the country. It is it is major, Jeffrey. First of all, <laughs> before you get on that track, uh, because if you say Division Two soccer here isn't major, then that would be like saying the championship is not major. Not exactly and, a one-to-one. Uh, I don't know. Here, but. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so sure about that. I think back to that question about if they have goal line technology or not. Actually, in the USL, often they don't even have a goal line. It's that bad. But there's a final. It's going to be fun. It is. It is a cup final essentially. So 
<laughs> it is, yeah. And it's exciting. I mean, Louisville City have made it to the Eastern Conference Final two years in a row before this, and I, I believe they lost each time. So uh, it's, excited. it's exciting to have them in the final, and, and they get to host it in Louisville. It's a city that has been lobbying for a new stadium to be built. We talked about it last week, but they play at a baseball stadium, and the final will be at the baseball stadium. But uh, it's it's good for the city. It's good for exposure, and, and hopefully it helps them get another step toward that that stadium deal getting finished. And then Owls connection, right, Evan? Yep, yep. James James O'Connor coaches the uh, the mighty Louisville City Saints. I guess you call them the Saints. They're not technically called Saints, but it's about the mascot. So yeah, uh, exciting to have him rolling along. And actually, another Wednesday connection. A quick shout out to Lizzie Seedhouse. She lives down in Tampa, and she's the digital director for the USL. She's a big Owls supporter. She's from Sheffield, so um, she's also very excited to see a Sheffield Wednesday boy in the USL final. And we'll have further discussion of the USL final here on Dispatches from American Soccer. But we're going to head north of the border. This is the Owls Americas podcast. And this is North American soccer, the MLS, Toronto against Red Bulls, Patty is not here to bemoan Red Bull's elimination from the MLS playoffs. Jeff, can we can we, can we just clarify? So so Paddy representing Red Bulls two in the uh, USL uh, semifinal, which he he amazingly uh, has just disappeared on. And then you're telling me that another one of his teams, the uh, the Red Bulls pro team, also lost on the weekend. They did, um, but that's we're not really here to talk about the match, James. Ah, interesting. I'm, I'm just wondering if there's a correlation as to where uh, where our enigmatic leader of the New York Owls is this week. Uh, he has is not. He, is, are you suggesting that he's ducking us, James Allen? He, he's not feeling well. He not is. Feeling I well. mean, to be fair, I've been out drinking with Patty on numerous occasions, and it seems credible. To be fair, I saw him at uh, about one o'clock on Saturday afternoon after the Villa match. It seems extremely credible, so I'm uh, I'm, I'm willing to buy the cover story. So the important thing here is not the match that you know Toronto advanced on aggregate thanks to the away goals rule, but the fight at halftime that seen both Josie Altidore and Red Bulls captain. I'm gonna pronounce this wrong because I've had most of this one pint six ounces of barrel aged oatmeal stout at this point. Sasha Kajestin. How about how about Kleshton? It's it's Sasha Kleshton. Kleshton, really? Kleshton. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's an L in there. You're right. Yeah. It's just the L and the J. Like the, the, the text wrap there is not on the ESPN article I'm looking at right now is not uh, as good Fewer as friendly. I would have hoped. Yeah. They both got red cards at halftime in the tunnel for violent conduct. That's pretty impressive, I have to say. Yeah. Well, I don't, I'm not too familiar with this i know they both got red cards and i know that because columbus crew play toronto next round and i know josie altador is out for the first leg but yeah wasn't it something about uh, a bad flop by altador who's one of the most massive players physically on the field and then he flop or something yeah i mean there, there was an incident he uh he kind of goes goes kind of chin to chin with one of the red bulls a bit of a dodgy tackle but <laughs> you gotta you gotta look for the clip because 
because the Red Bulls guy literally just raises his hands to his shoulders and Altidore, who's like six foot three, probably about 200 pounds, just falls to the floor like a sack of potatoes. It's just embarrassing. And it's kind of been broadly reported as the Altidore flop. I mean, it, it's it's just ridiculous. And that was the, the spark that caused all the trouble in the tunnel that got people fighting and two red cards. This is the kind of high-quality soccer that we expect from the MLS, I feel like. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose for a guy that pretty much helped lead the United States men's national team to... Flop. Basically, to flop. yeah, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's led them to flop. Uh, and, and it's funny because uh, Sasha Kleshton as well, he, he's a, a U.S. men's national team stalwart. So he... he uh, he contributed to the mess as well, and, and it's just kind of interesting to see those two getting going at it who have been teammates on the same national team for so long. Is this a Rooney-Ronaldo-type incident? Um, I suppose so, but it's more of, of two players that play on the same national team. I know, but I'm just trying to, like, you know. Trying to what, Jeffrey? I'm trying to give some content here for trying to American re- soccer. I know it's not a precise parallel, yes. That's fair enough. There is Wednesday news to speak of, and we have to give credit to our dear departed Patty Jones, who accurately predicted that the 150th anniversary kit would not actually be used at Aston Villa, which it wasn't. I was really, uh, really upset about this, actually, because I came up with a brilliant cover story. Um, so, you know, the, the news started to break on Saturday morning. I think it was, uh, is it Ashley Holland, the kit man at, at Wednesday, uh, put out the picture of the, the shirt? Yeah, the photo, the yeah. Exactly, and it was the picture, obviously, the home shirt with the uh, with the remembrance uh, poppy on it, um, which obviously kicked off a cavalcade of oh, there's no uh, no no 150th anniversary shirt. I came up with a brilliant bit of PR spin, or at least I thought it was, which was that you know Wednesday were actually being quite respectful of the date and uh, and not trying to steal the thunder from uh, from the remembrance uh, commemorations. Uh, and it just turned out that actually there was a comment buried somewhere in a press release from Wednesday that the kit isn't ready, which is. Pretty consistent, really, with everything else that's gone on around the kit. So we uh, we continue with the idle speculation of whether a that kit will ever see the life of the day, or b whether it will actually look like the image that was circulated on Twitter. But um, yeah, I mean, look, I still I still stand by what I said last week. I think the kit's going to be great when it arrives. I'm going to remain positive that it will, and uh, I'm going to go on blind faith, unlike our our friend Mr. Jones, who uh, who I think is getting a bit cynical in his old age. So I guess I was incorrect in thinking that we celebrated our. 150th anniversary by merely wearing black shorts. It commemorating all of the uh, the terrors of Wednesday supporting past. Yeah, it's good enough for me. I mean, the original kit, as I am reliably informed, was blue and white hoops, so it's all kind of a bit of a... <laughs> it's a bit of a mess. It does look like a kit that I would buy with, you know, Adam Reach and his number on the back at this point. No, I, I was I was quite disappointed as well, but to be honest, I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, I, I think all right, that, that describes the Wednesday had experience pretty much. I think. Yeah, I feel like there would have been more of an announcement that uh, you know I know we talked about it way back when when the kit was first designed, but I feel like it would have been more uh, heavily marketed before the match that that we were going to wear those. I was just disappointed, Evan, because you said last week you were going to buy it wear it, take a photograph of it, and put, get one framed on your wall. I was going to say, I'll, I'll take one of those as well. Yeah, well, once once it comes around, we'll, we'll definitely 
Maybe we can put them in our, our shop. Maybe it can be one of the first items available to, for people to buy. I had a, another another piece of news I spotted. Not sure if anybody saw this, but um, Butterfield was named in the EFL Team of the Week, which I think is uh, is is really good. I have to say that my my main complaint coming off the Aston Villa match is I've realized now I can't actually tell Butterfield and Morgan Fox apart because they're both English defensively minded players with strappy beards. There's they a look really like you, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're not actually. They're, they're, neither of their beards are anywhere near as beautiful as Jeff's. Yes, um, thank you. If, no, if you're not on the inside track bit. on this, please, please Google <laughs> Jeff's uh, Jeff's beautiful beard. But no, I mean the easy way to tell Jeff is that Morgan Fox is about a foot taller than Jacob Butterfield. Uh, at least uh, if you look at um, the celebration, I think it's the celebration after uh, after Reach's goal. Uh, sort of, there's Adam Reach standing about a foot and a half above Barry Bannon and, and several other people, and then uh, and then slowly, kind of the defence catches up, and Morgan Fox arrives and, and gives him a bit of height uh, equivalence over everybody. So that's that's the difference. But to your point, uh, Paul. I mean, Butterfield absolutely deserves that place. I, I made the point earlier on uh, in terms of his his presence in midfield and the way he gave Bannon range, and I, I just thought he was tremendous from start to finish on on Saturday. Absolutely worthy of being in the EFL team of the week, and and a real rebuke to any Wednesdayites who have had this knee jerk reaction to uh, to his inclusion in the team over the last couple of weeks and and the kind of petty silliness that's been going on around how Sam Winnell's been doing at Derby. I think it is difficult, right? Because you don't. If these players don't get a run out in the starting eleven, it is very difficult to evaluate them. We've seen this yeah. before with people like Will Buckley and Aiden McGeady, and they fall out of favor. And it's just that you know Butterfield. I think he's probably going to get a protracted run in the squad now between Kieran Lee's hip injury, R.I.P., and I think he gives him a little bit different look than David Jones does, and he can be that sort of cover for the back four. I think we'll get a little bit better feel for him over the coming weeks, of course, but you know, he was fairly highly regarded at Derby, even if not so much by Derby fans. Yeah, I think for me, the only way that he could improve his game is just by simplifying his game when he has the ball at his feet. I think that when he just played the simple ball, just the, the distributor role, his passes weren't too long. And just, he, was, he was quick about it. He did really well. But I think at least early on, there were a few instances where he tried to do a little bit too much, tried to play uh, a couple of balls that maybe he wasn't accustomed to playing, and uh, he didn't look very comfortable. So I, I truly believe that he, he deserves that honor. I think that he was very, very good. I just think the only, the only thing that he could improve is just simplifying his game a little bit. But again, overall, excellent performance. I mean, the one thing to know about Butterfield, and you know, we, we've talked for a long time about the need for a more physical midfielder. Um, you know, alongside the playmaking style that we have, and and I think it's well recognised that Carlos is not going to go down the route of having a, a sort of six foot five, rangy, burly midfielder um, who who doesn't have the the type of technical capabilities that he expects of the rest of the squad. The neat thing with Butterfield is he has that close distribution, that short uh, technical uh, ability, Jeff, um, Evan, that you're describing. It allows him to play a role in in the link up play that that Wednesday pride. But he does have physicality and tenacity as well, and he harried the the Villa midfield. You know, first half they they simply couldn't get the ball or couldn't keep hold of the ball. And second half, you know, he was at their at their toes all the time. You know, really kind of making them rush. And, and some of their distribution looked woeful as a result of that. So so I, I just thought he was excellent. I mean, I think overall we certainly bossed the midfield in the first half, and that was a big factor in being up two 0 
I agree. I think that that's, you know, back to my point earlier about, you know, stability and gaining confidence that, you know, I, I know it's it's been documented, you know, really well, but I just wanted to offer a little reminder that Carlos had a dream, build a football team, he had no players that had decided Or is that, is that too early? Might be a, a hair early. All right, let me know when. Yeah, we'll let you know. Don't worry about it. Is there any other business? Uh, the, the last thing I would like to say is just that I had to take work off last Thursday because I woke up at 4 a.m. with an upset stomach and, and uh, was vomiting. And I believe that my intake of, of Yorkshire delectables was uh, played a big role in it. <laughs> and that, that's truly not a joke. I, I actually woke up at 4 a.m. and was very, very sick. Dude, the pictures you've been sending about the, of those tacos you've been eating, I'm sorry, but it's nothing to do with that. You're eating like half a pound of elephant meat every night. I haven't eaten, I didn't eat a taco before that though, it was just just trying to pound away the uh, the Yorkshire items but in the, the 30 minute time slot that I had allotted. We, we, we may have slightly more generous slander laws in this country, but Evan, I, I think you've gone very close to having a legal case set against you by uh, by the county of Yorkshire, by the producers of Yorkshire Tea, uh, the good old tailors of Harrogate from uh, from Henderson's Relish, from Lottie's uh, producers of uh, a fine Yorkshire parking. I, 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 can't, I can't even begin to tell you how offensive that statement is. Um, so, I'm, so I'm completely is- with Paul. I blame the tacos. This is funny coming from the guy that that absolutely obliterates different cities each week on our podcast. <laughs> but uh, speaking of you, I'm curious how that marathon went. Uh, yeah, I, try, I tried to skip over that at the beginning with my uh, my clumsy comment about which beer I'm drinking. It was uh, it was actually a re- really great day out yesterday. I was I was running around the uh, the five boroughs of New York doing a bit of uh, promotional advertising for Al's Americas, uh, wearing uh, wearing my uh, uh, New York Al's and, and Al's Americas bib. And um, actually, you know what? It was fantastic. Um, it was really cool kind of getting shout outs from the crowd people uh, probably not getting it just shouting go owls at, at various intervals um, I had a, a quick he's everyone on his way everyone loves owls basically everybody loves owls especially if their grandma t- happens to uh, to take part as well <laughs> so um, so yeah no, it, it was a great day Evan and uh, yeah I, I got around the marathon in one piece and uh, I actually had a, a yeah, huge amount of support on Twitter for, for no good reason given that you know I was just doing it for my own enjoyment and not for uh, for a more kind of reputable charity or, or a good cause so uh, thanks to everybody who who offered their support and uh, and I hope it's um it's hopefully raised a little bit of awareness of what we're trying to do with OA and uh, and we'll uh, we'll get a few more people involved in the movement. Yeah, well, I, I think well, we should probably mention as well that, uh, that Sheffield Wednesday themselves gave you a little uh, little boost of confidence, didn't they, on Twitter? Yeah, no, the club gave me a shout out on uh, on Sunday morning. So uh, so thanks to everybody at the club for for their support there as well. And and like I say, you know, it was just an opportunity to raise a bit of awareness of Wednesday. We, um, you know, those of us in New York see uh, see football shirts and, and branding from the British clubs all the time. And especially if you go to something like the New York Marathon, where there's fifty thousand people running around the city, you see far too many uh, rubbish shirts from Stoke and places like that. So we were just trying to put the Wednesday voice out there, and it, it seemed to work a little bit. So so yeah, thanks to everyone. Yeah, we're, we're definitely well, proud of you and definitely appreciate what you did. Yeah, uh, well done, James. Spreading that cause, bud. This has been episode five of the Owls AmeriCast. Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. You can email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Ping us on Twitter at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers, our podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. 
There's no way, wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask that you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. And speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our dazed and mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply. You can dial it for free using Google Voice. James is on Twitter, at ManhattanOwl. James, what are you doing for the international break weekend? Do you know, Jeff, I, I'm literally at a loss of what to do, principally because I've got no Barry Bannon and Stephen Fletcher to watch in the Scotland squad in their, their vital friendlies having failed I'm to qualify so happy for the World that Cup. Barry Bannon is not in the Scotland squad. <laughs> after, what, uh, after the performance coming off his week at the Scotland squad. I'm not. I think Barry Bannon's probably pretty happy he's not in the Scotland squad, continuing uh, considering the chaos that's going on up there at the moment. But but no, there's uh, there's absolutely no football to watch. There's no Wednesday players that I'm aware of playing uh, playing in the meaningless international friendlies that are rudely interrupting the season. And uh, and I've got no uh, no marathon training to do either. So I'll I'll probably be venturing a bit further afield than the brewery around the corner from my apartment and uh, and finding some of the uh, the better beers in the in the city to sample and, and try and catch up with Paddy. Paul is on Twitter at the O Wednesday. Paul, what are you doing for the international break weekend? I'm actually going to offer uh, James um, the opportunity to join me in my Ironman training now that he's reached the entry level as a, as a marathon runner. Uh, first event is uh, eating pork pie and scotch eggs. So he's more than welcome to join me. Evan is on Twitter at Ohio Owl. Evan, what are you doing for the international break weekend? Uh, not much going on on the weekend. Uh, Louisville City play on Monday, and Columbus Crew actually play uh, sometime this weekend, I think, at home in the MLS Cup final. and Or not final, but Eastern final. But uh, my parting word, just just so, uh, just just because I've been dying to say this, just a shout-out to Louisville City goalkeeper Greg Ranjetsing, who has turned down a Trinidad and Tobago call-up to the national team. Uh, in order to play in USL Cup final, so quite a quite a big moment for USL fans. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A Jones for talking about musical acts that wear skinny jeans, and at New York Owls for general Wednesday grousing. Patty is not here, obviously, to talk to you about the meetups, but fortunately there are no meetups because it's the international break. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. It's been unseasonably warm here in Connecticut. I will probably be spending my international break weekend mulching leaves in my front lawn that has not quite dropped as many leaves from the trees that I would like at this point on November 6th. We'll see where we are next week. And we'll be back here next week for another edition of the Owls AmeriCast. Yes, Jeff's big pole. Jeff's got an enormous flagpole in his front lawn, and nothing so to I, do did, I did move into this house and just realized a year later that there is a unmarked flagpole in the front lawn. How do you go an entire year without noticing an enormous flagpole? It took me an entire year to realize that there was no house number on my house, except there's actually one on the tree in my front yard. Wow. Jeff, how big is your house? I live in the boonies. I have like three quarters of an acre that I have to mow on a fairly regular basis. How how big is your pole? The pole is at least 
probably two to two and a half feet. Nice. Is that from the ground? No, so it, it is mounted on the house. Oh, I see. It, it, so it's a mounted pole. It is a mounted pole, yes. <laughs> the, the reason for this cavalcade of, uh, of, of conversation is because, um, Jeff, you're going to do something with that pole. I, I, my been, understanding been, was that you were going to spend the break adorning it with something. Yes, I've been looking into Wednesday flags. So the uh, the previous owners were from Texas and, and, and flew the uh, red, white, and blue with the 50 stars, I assume, at the house. But there's just this sort of unadorned flagpole now that I am going to choose to fly uh, some sort of Wednesday flag. The only one, oh, uh, the, the only one available we, online we had, we right had ideas, now at the we? store. We had, we had ideas. Yes. The only one available online at the Wednesday shop right now is a uh, we're on our way back flag, which feels a little ambitious to fly right now. Could you fly a beach towel? I could. I have a blue and white striped beach towel. I have multiple ones, actually. I was going to do, do you a Jeff's head yes, so, style. Right. So uh, Paul has stripe. offered, is our official graphic designer of the Owls Americas, to do my my me in sort of silhouette shoulder up on blue and white stripes like the chancery flag right yeah i think that looked good it would yeah it feels a little like uh it's a little arrogant to fly that in front of my house i feel like well you're not gonna fly anywhere else are you you about ready to end the show <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that way you are minute, minutes ago, yeah. Evan. Minutes ago, I think right, we did already end it. Let's. I think it ended before we got into this. <laughs> this will definitely be post musical interlude. I feel like. <laughs>